Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into At The Podium. This is episode 12.5, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. Today we have two press conferences, one from offensive coordinator Mike Groh, one from defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, as per usual. Groh had praise for the offensive line and Josh Adams, saying that Adams was able to create yards by himself, which has been a big issue for this backfield that's been lacking this season. He also talked about sticking with the hot hand, which is something that I've been very adamant about doing. You don't see many Eagles backs go for over 20 carries in a game, and in this game it worked out for them, and they had a good ground game catered to getting Adams and Clement north-south with heavier personnel packages, and it paid big-time dividends. For his part, Jim Schwartz should be getting some credit for being open to suggestions from his players and being able to adjust, which led to only three second-half points by the Giants. You could argue that that should have been the plan all along. As noted on this series, I've heard Schwartz say that he still has full access to his defensive playbook, even when the injury bug started to hit that secondary hard, and I found that hard to believe at the time. And for this game, at least, it turned out that keeping it simple and forcing Eli Manning to beat you was the best plan of attack. So we'll see how that pans out for the remainder of the season. Tomorrow morning, we'll have a new Kist and Solak show breaking down the coach's film of the Eagles win over the Giants. Keep an eye out for that. Keep those five-star reviews coming. Those written reviews, we really appreciate them. But for now, let's get to these press conferences. Uh, we had a lot of success. You know, the offensive line did an outstanding job throughout the course of the game. And, um, you know, Josh really kind of found a rhythm and uh, did an excellent job of, uh, you know, reading his keys and, and uh, even uh, making people miss and, and getting more out of what might have been there. He had, you know, a really fine day. What made you guys think that he was ready for a, a bigger role? You know, he's just been kind of coming on and, uh, and making really good progress each and every week. And, um, I think earning everybody's trust with, with the way he's handled everything that he's been asked to do. And uh, we've getting, gotten a lot of production out of him when he's been in there. He's done a good job. He's a little taller. He's obviously a different build than, I guess, an average running back. He's a little taller and, and narrower. Uh, what does he have to do technique-wise to kind of succeed with that build? I think I've been asked this question before. I mean, he just he just plays running back. I don't think there's anything that he has to change or do differently um, than any other running back. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's got good vision and anticipation um, and can, can kind of feel things, I think, uh, instinctive runner and was able to bounce, you know, bounce out of the hole and, and get out to the edge and, and create even more. Carson only had um, one pass in front of you on 20 yards, which is 
well below his average for the season. Was that just the way the defense was playing and he was taking them, taking what they were giving? Yeah, I, I think he had uh, over 10 completions past 10 yards. So, you know, we were still getting the ball, uh, you know, down the field. Um, we missed, you know, we missed one early in the game where, where we had an opportunity to, to maybe have a bigger play, but uh, it wasn't necessarily anything by design. It just was, you know, the way that the game went. How's Josh's progress in, uh, as a receiver, and what does he need to do to kind of be in every down? We think he's got good hands, and um, you know, like I said, he, we, we keep giving him a little bit more each week, and, and he's been able to handle it so far. He's done a really good job. Hey, Mike, we always talk about the running game in general, getting that going. Is the more important part of it just the balance, though? On that last drive, I think, Ran it six times, but we converted with the pass, and so that allowed the, the clock to get a little bit. Well, we, you know, we've talked about all season long our, our um, ability to be balanced is important, and uh, the offensive line just did a really good job. We had a, we had a really good game plan um, that was in place, and and then Josh, you know, like like we talked about, and Corey and uh, and Wendell, you know, the, the three of those guys combined, they all did a really good job when they had the opportunity and the ball in their hand. And, um, you know, we were able to, to possess the ball and uh, and keep their offense off the field. The screen you had to uh, Corey later in the game, how much was that set up on kind of those split zone runs earlier? And how much do you kind of work on sequencing uh, to set something like that, that up throughout the course of the game? Yeah, I mean, it's we try to package plays and, and put them together. And, um, you know, that was part of a little package of plays, and, and Corey did a good job. He's, he set up right in the right spot, and the timing of the screen, everything worked really well. We were able to get out there and, um, you know, distort the coverage, if you will. And uh, both both the guys got out there, both the offensive line were able to get out there and, and get the play started. Were you guys any closer to figuring out this little stuff? Well, I think we saw a lot of positives, I think, at the beginning of the game. Um, a couple of uh, penalties kept us from getting the production that we want, but, uh, you know, there's still – um, things that we want to get better at, but uh, we did see we did see some positives there at the beginning of the game. Doug mentioned that having Goddard has allowed you guys to maybe move Zach around a little more into more of a receiver role, his strengths. How has that manifested itself this season, where he's he's on pace to set some, some records? Yeah, Zach's having an outstanding season, um, not only as a receiver, but uh, in everything that we're asking him to do and being a complete player at the tight end position and. Um, you know, Dallas is another one of these young players that continues to progress and is doing a really good job. What's going to happen with Richard Rodgers back? You got him on the field for a little bit. looked like he did a good job blocking in that one drive with 13 personnel. Yeah, it's good to have Richard back. Uh, missed quite a bit of time. He was, you know, really uh, on, the, on the come there in training camp when, when he got injured at New England. And um, so it's just good to have him back. He's a solid player, very dependable. He's got good hands. And. Um, so he, you know, he, he's another good addition to the tight end group. Was there a reason you seem to really streamline the running back rotation? With Twenty-two carries for for Josh, five for Corey, nine for Wendell. What was the thinking there? You wanted to get one guy in a groove, or well, I think he just kind of found a groove and um, stayed with the hot hand. You know, he, he was he was doing a really nice job, so we just stayed with it. After the evening yesterday, Doug kept mentioning Carson's responsibilities with the running. Well, we, you know, there's certain things where, we're, you know, we're looking for uh, a certain front or coverage and, and getting ourselves into the right play. And uh, he takes a lot of pride in that and, and making sure that uh, we're trying to avoid bad plays and getting our, putting ourselves in, in the best position to have a, have a good play. What is it that stands out about the uh, Texas defense coming up on ADL? Their front seven is, is outstanding. Um, as, good a, as good a front front three or four, you know, 
Um, the D-line that they have is excellent. They're strong at the point of attack. they got excellent, excellent lateral quickness. Um, they can get on the edge and push the pocket in the middle. Um, both those guys on the perimeter, um, Kerrigan and Smith, uh, you know, they can collapse the pocket outside. And then, they, you know, they have an elaborate uh, blitz package. And, um, you know, they've been in this defense for a number of years now. These guys play well together. At the same time, it seems like the offensive line is getting a little healthier. Uh, do you see the arrow pointing up for those guys? Well, we've always had a lot of confidence in our offensive line. And um, it's nice to see them, uh, you know, in some instances starting to feel a little bit healthier. Uh, certainly at this point in the season, that's a positive, and uh, you know, we'll continue to, to ride that wave. Mike mentioned Washington's blitz ability. Have blitzes and, and some of the games defensive lines have been playing been a bigger problem this year than, than last year? Um, I, I don't know that it's been a problem. Um, you know, we're, we've been as, as diligent as ever in terms of our preparation, and uh, you know these guys do they do a good job with their with their blitz package so it's it's another point of emphasis here this week Mike, uh, this is your first year being an NFL offensive coordinator and you're replacing somebody who won Super Bowl what's it been like for you to step in the role especially when things aren't going exactly the way uh, you would have liked what's it like to step into the role yeah I mean like Yeah, well, the most important thing is, you know, what we're trying trying to do together, and um, and uh, and that's win games, and so that's what we're focused on here. And uh, our team did a great job last week coming out to play, and uh, and played uh, and played well, and created another opportunity for ourselves this week against a division opponent on Monday night. So we're excited about that. Before that uh, fourth and one, uh, I think the Giants had called timeout. What's your kind of involvement there? What's the discussion on the sideline before such a, a critical play in the game? Well, you know, during the course of the game, there's opportunities for collaboration, and um, and uh, so uh, you know there there was probably a brief conversation, but I think everybody felt strongly about um, you know the call that coach made, and and uh, we're excited about it. Going into the game, do you have like uh, in preparing for that situation? Is there a group of plays that we may choose from this, or is it just like the situation comes up and you kind of base it on what you've seen throughout the course of the game? It's day? probably both. I mean, we certainly plan for those situations. We have plays um, designated for the, you know those situations, but over the course of the game, you may see something and uh, you may alter that decision based on, on what you've seen or what you've seen is working really well, um, and you go with that. So there, there's you know gut feel and instincts involved, but also a lot of planning before the you know before the moment. Would it have been the same play? If they hadn't called them out, is that what you were prepared to run? Well, I mean, coach, I, you know, I don't know where Coach's finger was on the sheet, but yeah, that was the first call that he made. What's that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Mike, you mentioned the Redskins front seven, their secondary Swearingers having big years. Yeah. Clinton Dix. What have you seen from the back end? Yeah, but they, they've got really good players at all levels. They really do. I think. Uh, Mason is uh, second lead tackle in the NFL, and you mentioned Swearinger, who's you know running all over the field and uh, is a very disruptive player down in the box and, and is making plays on the ball. Uh, of course, Haha Clinton Dix, I've known him for a long time, going back to Alabama, um, so he's a solid addition to their secondary, and, and you know they got very good corners. Um, so you know they're 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 a formidable defense, and and uh, you know we're excited about the challenge. We we know who they are as division opponent, and um, our guys will be ready. Mike, since uh, uh, I think the last couple of weeks, uh, Nelson, Alshon, and, and Jordan Matthews' targets have been down, uh, do you go into a game 
consciously, hey, let's try to involve these guys, or is it more just kind of organically let let things go and see how it plays out? In the passing game, you, you try. You, you're, we're absolutely, we know we got guys that we want to get involved in the game, and the more they're involved, and uh, the better our chances are to win. And uh, so you, you plan for those things, but in the passing game, coverage dictates, sometimes rush dictates where the ball goes, and even though you you know you have certain uh, plays that are set up for a primary guy, it ends up you know down the line and it's just things that are beyond your control, and uh, it's it's different than in the running game where you can say okay you know we're going to hand the ball to, to the get this guy and he's going to get a certain number of carries. Um, you can you know you can plan as much as you want, but sometimes it doesn't always go according to plan. Uh, we've got some good players on on the offense that are out there at, at, at any given time in that huddle, and we're trying to get them all involved. There's only one ball. And um, so, but we are trying to be balanced in our attack. Have you seen defenses adjust or change the way they're playing Alshon? He had that, that real quick start to the season when he came back, and as Ruben said, the production's kind of gone down a bit since then. No, I haven't seen any major adjustment to it. No. I mean, I, th I think they, depending on who we're playing, you know, and, and the way that they like to play, and, and um, I, I haven't seen anything differently than, than, I, than what we saw last year. Guys throw down there and you use your catches. What makes him so effective inside that corner? Yeah, I mean, he made a great play for us the other day. Um, was able to step back in front, and cut the, the, the defender off, and then you know break a couple tackles and get in the end zone. It's a really, really good play by him. And obviously, we got a lot of trust in him. Carson's got a lot of trust in his ability, um, and he's got strong hands. So we all know that, and he's having an outstanding year. So uh, he's just another one of these guys that you know we're always trying to involve. Riding the wave of the O line a little bit now that they're getting healthier. Can you look back at that and think that that was part of the reason why things haven't been um, kind of working the right way? Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't make an excuse for anything. I mean, we're uh, we're going to go out there and play with the guys that are in the huddle. And um, we got to go out there and perform and get the job done. His question. In New Orleans, um, Carson, he comes back, plays well, fourth quarter drive to put winning points on the board. What does that do for a quarterback in his third year kind of moving forward? Well, I'm sure I'm sure it gives him a lot of confidence, um, you know, to be able to bring the team back like like he did the other day, and uh, you know, really as as an entire offense, um, it gives everybody a lot of confidence to go and finish the game and 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 beat the Giants and division win at home and create another opportunity for ourselves this week. What goes into Ertz's ability to get open in in the red zone? He having to be so condensed and, and tight, but he seems to find space. Well, he's a big guy. Um, and he's, he's got excellent play strength and, and, a, and a really good catch radius and strong hands so he can catch it away from his body. And um, even in those tight spaces like you talk about, he's able to create a little bit more space for himself um, by using his body and, and his length. And then he's got absolutely uh, fantastic hands. So Carson's got a lot of confidence in that and then puts it in the right spot for him to be able to make a play. Thanks, Coach. Yep. All right, guys. There you go. You just want to bring him up here and uh, you can take, um, take all these. What changed in the second half? Um, I think I changed really started probably middle to second quarter more than uh, more than in the second half. Um, and just played more consistent. We tackled a little bit better. Um, we tackled poorly early in that game. Um, had a lot of missed assignments early in that game. Settled down in the second half. Um, you know, made a couple plays, put him in some third down and long situations, which are always good for uh, – for, from a defensive point of view, um, I, I don't know if I've ever had a game like that. I think it's 
Well, Stroh pointed out that was most yards that um, anyone's ever given up in the first half of a game. But that, like for me, it's like that's most yards I've ever given up in the first half of a game, and it's probably the least yards I've ever given up in a second half of a game. Um, really hard to put a finger on. But I, I tell you what is um, the way that game went. I was really proud of the way our guys hung in. I mean. We've all seen games like that that start that way to keep rolling up on you, and our guys were determined not to let that happen again this week, and um, I was proud of them for that. Without giving away, I guess, too much, what did you do? Uh, you know, when Malcolm talked to you and everything, is that long about Yeah, you know, uh, the, the biggest thing, we were just having, well, we had so many new guys on the field, and we were having some issues with communication and execution. And uh, we just simplified some things. They were trying to use, not, not hurry up tempo like you would think, like no huddle, but they were trying to get out of the huddle and snap the ball quick and, um, and things like that. And like I said, we had some new guys. And we had a lot of different layers to a lot of our calls, but we sort of eliminated those. And um, you know, it worked out pretty well for us. It seems a few more teams are doing that, racing out of the huddle. Up to, uh, you know, that, uh, yeah, I think that's a trend. Before, that's a trend across the league. Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it from a lot of different. There's a lot of different ways to tempo. I mean, you guys know my baseball analogies. Um, you know, there's, there's sometimes the tempo, like the what used to be known as tempo, just fastball, just on the ball, going as fast as you can every single snap. A little bit like um, you know a pitcher that's throwing 100 miles an hour every single time. After a while, you get used to it. It's hard to hit, but after a while, you get used to it, and you can take your swings. Um, it's it's probably the hardest when teams are throwing different change of pace, so to speak. Sometimes bursting out of a huddle, going fast. Sometimes going slow. Sometimes double cadence. Sometimes going fast. Um, I think that's that, that's legit to say that it's um, that's something that's popping up across the across the league. Hey, Jim, with, with Malcolm, I think last year one of the silver lines of Jordan going down was moving him all over the defense, sort of out of necessity. You had to do that again against the Giants. Um, I don't think he no, he's he's in into the game regardless of where he plays. Um he did move around, but then we had so many we had injuries in the game that took us out of our dime package through most of the second half also. So uh he played um he played some different positions early, but then late he played a significant uh significant amount of his snaps at the safety position. Or I actually played at the nickel, yeah, in the nickel slot because it took us out he had to move down because it took us out of our dime. Um, he's a good all-around player. I don't know that we could have won that game without having a guy like Malcolm Jenkins, um, number one, that has the flexibility to move to different positions, um, but number two, um, the athletic ability to do it. It's easier said than done. It's not just knowing what to do. Um, but, you know, we were, we were corner-challenged. I mean, that's pretty well documented. And then we had an injury in the game, and um, he had to go in and, and – and get us through that and not only got us through it, but we played at a high level with him in there. So um, he was certainly a key part of um, of that turnaround from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. When were you his first game back? How do you think he looked and what do you think he brought to the defense? Yeah, he brought us some energy. Um, you know, he only played about 20 snaps or so. Um, didn't want to tax him too much out there. But it was good having that, you know, rotation back. I think we were even more productive with uh, some of the other guys in there, Haloti. I thought uh, I thought showed up a little bit better, and um, you know Fletch, um, Fletch played an outstanding game. It didn't show up maybe on the stat sheet the way that other people do, but 
you know, probably the two biggest keys in that game were Fletch and Malcolm. And when you when you're faced with the adversity we were faced with, you always want to rely on your veteran, um, you know, marquee players. And those two guys came through for us. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see those. Um, but um, I like the way we responded this week. I mean, you know, particularly again, that game did not start the way anybody wanted it to start. And without good leadership, you don't get out of that. And um, I'm sure that had something to do. Our leadership had something to do with being able to get out of that bad start. What did you learn about those young guys, uh, those young corners, especially who hadn't played much until until Sunday? We need to tackle better. I mean, that's that's what I mean. Everybody always talks about corners, and you see the big plays down the field, and you see coverage, and that shows up probably more on fans and media radar than anything else. But you know, job number one defensively is being able to tackle. And I thought, particularly early in that game, we we didn't do a very good job um, of tackling with our corners. And for us to be consistent, we're going to have to we're going to have to get guys on the ground, and uh, we need to do a better job at that. Yeah, we were we were challenged sort of the whole game. I mean, it, we we just knew how it was going to take us out of some packages and how you know, Malcolm was going to have to move to the nickel. We had we had talked about all that before the game, so when that happens, it's more just okay. This is what we talked about. We're going to have to you know go here, 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 and it takes us out of this package and you know puts us in this and um, nothing nothing really. You know, we're we're every everybody has injuries and we just have to you have to have a plan for when they happen. Sometimes that plan is, is a challenging plan. Sometimes it's a little bit easier. Um, you know, Malcolm was able to um, to help us through that because of his versatility. You see the line, defensive line and how they picked up the slack in, in that game against the Giants. What you expect from them kind of leading, moving forward here? Well, um, we blitzed exactly one time. Well, we had two, but one was really a poor execution and miscommunicated and everything else and led to a long touchdown run. But um, other than that, in that game, we played, we, we blitzed, brought five guys one time in that game, played true man to man one time in that game. And, um, you know, I mean, it's different every single week, but um, we knew what we had. We, we knew what our challenges were. And, and if you're protecting your secondary like that, if you're trying to put fires out there, then um, it the uh, the onus goes to another group, and it went to our D line, and they were up for the challenge. Um, you know, a couple sacks that put guys in or put the Giants in some long yardage situations. Um, you know, it, it helped our coverage out. Um, that they, they did a, a good job stopping the run. I can't I can't say enough about how Fletch uh, Fletch was Fletch was not only playing at a high level, but he was playing. With um, with the kind of toughness and leadership that you expect from a guy like that, and that had a lot to do with our ability to well uh, to come out on the winning side of that. It seemed like Michael Bennett was uh, pretty disruptive in the second half. Just what did you see from him, and how was he kind of fit in overall uh, this year? Yeah, you know, he went out in the first half um, with a uh, with an injury, and we didn't know we were going to get him back. We were prepared to play the rest of the game without him, and then he tried to back out there and. Um, you know his his sack. Um, you know they they you block a defensive end on a tight end. That's play you got to expect. To, um, you know you got to expect our, your guy to make the play. And Mike did got the sack backed up. Um, got a big stop um, early in that third quarter. Um, you know he's another guy played with a lot of energy. And when the chips were down, he really got going for us. I mean it was tough for him to come back in that game. He had to really tough it out. 
but that was sort of the boat that everybody was in. And, um, you know, his, his energy and his ability to go in there and make a play certainly had a lot to do with that. A tackle for a loss, a big sack. Um, he tackled for a loss came from a defensive tackle position. So, um, yeah, certainly a big part of um, our ability to, to win that game. You've seen a lot of Adrian Peterson in this past decade. Uh, what stands out about what he's doing at this point? Yeah, he's still strong as can be. He's got great vision. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that even if um, even if you get a first hat on him, he still has enough to, to churn positive yards. Um, yeah, he's become a really important part of, of Washington's offense. And, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, just sort of zone block it. He can get on one edge and power through power through guys. You know, some guys get older, they lose a little speed. I don't know if he has. But um, he hasn't lost any of the power that he's had in the past. And he certainly hasn't lost his vision. Those are the things that carry him. Green Bay got more snaps than normal right now, obviously. And then uh, Nigel took on his responsibility he did last year. How do you think those three guys responded? Yeah, Nigel was challenged also. Um, you know, he... He hurt himself on the first series of the game and um, and was was hindered um, the rest of the time. Um, and he had to, he had to tough that game out too. I mean that would have been an easy one for him to you know take a step back and say you know hey can't go. But um, you know he had a lot to do and and, and playing different positions and things like that. Um, you know I, th I think those guys um, you know those guys played a lot in our opener and have played. Different varying um, amounts of, of reps, but you know we need them with with Jordan down, and you know until we get Jordan back, those guys are going to have to play for us. I think they can both um, they can both play better for us. Can you talk about cornerback challenged, obviously, but at least you had Shandon and Devonte for the offseason and training camp. Kavon just got here, had to play inside, then go outside. Uh, how do you think he handled it? Yeah, he came up with the plays when he needed. Um, you know, he's got some experience. Um, he's played some nickel in the past. He played for a pretty good Chicago defense last year. He played nickel pretty much the whole um, pretty much the whole season. So he does have a little bit of experience. That mitigates not being with us in training camp um, maybe as much. He's able to – he's been with a couple different teams. I think he's been with three different teams. So concepts aren't new to him. It's just terminology. Um, but the demeanor you want from a corner and toughness – um, and and just you know determination, scrappiness, being able to put a bad play behind him, he exhibited all those uh, those things. I mean, I think it's fairly safe to say that everybody in the stadium knew that they were going to Odell Beckham on third down and seven, and uh, he was up for the challenge. Yeah, um, I mean, there's I, I referenced last week. It was a time, and I think. I don't know, 2004, 2005, um, toward the end of the season, I think we had two guys that began the season at the spot that they were playing. Um, you know, it just happens. Usually it's a little bit later in the season. The good news is that there's a, a decent amount of guys that we're going to get back. I don't know when we're going to get them back, but we're going to get back. We have some season enders, you know, Derek Barnett, Rodney McLeod, um, you know, Darby. Um, but then we have some other ones that, you know, we'll get them back. So there is that, I don't say silver lining, but that, um, you know, there, there is there is a little bit of, uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, there's challenges every week. Every team is challenged in some way. Um, those happen to be ours, and we have to figure out a way to, um, you know, to manage it. Um, a lot of times that goes to 
your veteran players, your your leaders, your marquee guys really step up and play well. And I think we saw that from our defensive line. We saw it from guys like Malcolm Jenkins, and that was able to help us get that win. Have offenses been trying to attack you guys a little on the edges in the run game? Make, you know, make the cornerbacks uh, tackle. I mean, no different than any other time in three years that I've been here. But, um, you know, I think our, our corners were probably a little bit more consistent in tackling um, last year and the year before. And that's something that um, that's something that is a big issue for us that we need to do better at to limit some of those edge runs. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it a lot of times this year. But as far as attacking it, um, I don't know if it changes any much. I mean, you really can't do a whole lot about not blocking a guy. You know, I mean, there's there's some scheme stuff, but if, if they're going to choose to say, okay, it's our running back against that corner, your corner needs to be able to step up to that challenge, and uh, we certainly need to do the same thing. Yeah, same stuff. Um, he's a veteran player. He's got good mobility. He knows their offense. Um, they're not going to change anything they have. And he's, he also has a little bit of – ability to run some zone read stuff and, and stuff like that. They haven't shied away from running any of that. Everybody good? All right. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to The Good Fight podcast feed.